Hello, hello, hello. I'm your host, Nikki C. And welcome to another episode of Life Got in the Way, a podcast that is dedicated to growing, learning, and achieving our lifelong goals. Today's special guest is Joan Hale, creator of Necessary Comforts. Joan Hale is a two-time breast cancer survivor with more than five years cancer-free. Her friends were an integral part of her recovery, and the help that they gave her inspired her to start Necessary Comforts as a way to empower other women who were going through the difficult process of cancer recovery following a mastectomy with post-surgical drains. Joan is such an inspiration, and I am excited to have this conversation with her. You all ready to learn more about Joan? All right, everyone, let's go. the show we are so happy and honored to have you join us thank you so much nikki i'm glad to be here awesome awesome well i'm so honored to have you um, join us and i think you are going to give our audience and our listeners some really great jewels of of inspiration of knowledge of just um just learning about your journey Um, one of the things that you know, this podcast does, it's uh, tell about people's journeys and their experiences that all the situations that have been unique to you and to your journey. So this is some, this is an opportunity for people, listeners to just kind of experience your journey and, and learn from it and, and, you know, hopefully um, learn some other things, including about uh, some things a little bit, we'll talk a little bit later. So Let's try to dig deep and, you know, just talk. So, you know, how they how they start those job interviews. So tell us about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I might be one of your oldest, oldest guests. Um, I'm an 11 year thriver survivor breast cancer from breast cancer. Um, I'm 75 years young and um, through my journey with breast cancer and being an entrepreneur of starting a couple of businesses, because life got in the way, I created a product that could help with the surgical drains. Um, Following surgery, you sometimes come home with a jet, well, depending upon the surgery, Breast cancer, mastectomy, definitely. Lumpectomy, no. Um, Some thyroid cancers, heart, pancreatic, you have these surgical drains. And it's, what do you do with them? Um, Sometimes the hospital gives you this funky little uh, fanny pack 
or a camisole, which is very hard to get on. So I created a product with my girlfriends that is just very easy to use. Um, I was very, very lucky. Luckier than most is my girlfriends were with me the whole time. Um, they went to every appointment with me. Two of them sat through my surgery, which I woke up and they were both there. That was wonderful. That was my So, you know, and then two girlfriends each spent more than a week with me when I came home. So I always say I went from the sublime to the ridiculous or the other way around uh, with one who was Miss Health Food and the other one was Miss Comfort Food. So I got the best of both worlds. But how did my story start? I've been on my own since I was 16. Oh, wow. And 16? yeah, I know that was that was where life started to get in the way is what I you know, I really loved the name of your podcast because of that. And I think I've always been a person that just picked herself up, dusted herself off and started all over again. But through that, I had it so much to learn, so much to learn. Um, I was lucky as a young child uh, growing up in New York in um, a neighborhood with a bunch of kids. We all went to the same school and our particular class, we had a clique where we were together every day. So I grew up with this sense of friends and to be with your friends all the time and to stand up for your friends. And that has always been something I have cherished because it has always helped me through so many things. Um, even all my girlfriends, when my mother died when I was 16, they were all at the funeral home. Um, it was utterly amazing. I didn't even know how they got there. Um, so that was my first big stumble. Mm -hmm. I stayed at school. I was at a boarding school then, a small parochial um, Catholic girl school. I always and, wanted to uh, go to a boarding school. My mother said no. <laughs> not I a Catholic girl I, school. I was in a not a high-end, wonderful, East Coast, gossip girl kind of boarding school. No, that was not. Yeah, I was at the Catholic <laughs> high school, so I was like, oh, Okay, well, maybe, you know, I'm already in a religious school, so it couldn't hurt, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it, most of the girls that boarded, and there weren't that many, were from South America, and they were there to speak English. And I actually just spoke to one of them the other day on um, a Facebook call. She's in Venezuela. So she had lost her husband, so I sent her a message. And I mean, that's many, many years ago because she is my age. So that, w and we were sending a few pictures back and forth and talking about our lives. So uh, that was really very interesting. And that's what she said to me, you know, well, we were only there to learn to speak English. And so that, w that was that. Um, I was very lucky. There were 
there was one nun there who I had become friends with by accident. We were both walking in the woods one day and she said, you're one of those girls from St. Gabriel's. That's what I'm saying. We all had a reputation of this clique that we were. And I said, yes, that's me. And we just started talking and we became friends. And when I would take the bus to my mother's store, uh, when my mother was still alive, she was taking the bus going down to NYU working on her master's. And I waiting for the bus one day and she appeared. So we would start riding the bus together and just be talking the whole way. And I got off long before she did, but both of us had a couple of transfers because it was so far away from where we were going. And she remained my friend or second mother for most of my life. I didn't have extremely close contact with her on a daily basis, sometimes not even on a monthly basis. Because as you know, yourself going to a Catholic school, nuns tend to stay by themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't have that much interaction. They don't reach out that much. But um, I, I remained very close with her for till the end of her life and some of my friends even got to know her so um that was really interesting um so i never felt i always felt like i was loved and that was maybe a very good thing definitely yeah you know in the whole story of how do you survive being on your own when you're 16 so i went out to get a summer job because i didn't have very much money and um that turned into a full-time career and I am still very close in an art studio and I just spoke to them on Thanksgiving. I'm still close with them. What was the job? But the, it, the, I worked at, in those days, it was called a gal Friday. Today you would call it an administrative assistant. Okay. And I learned on the job. I had no idea what I was doing. I couldn't get a secretarial job because I didn't type fast enough. And in those days, they typing was they everything. gave you a typing <laughs> test. Yes, how fast you could type, how accurately you could type. So I got this job filing and doing all the rest of it. And the girl that hired me left. And so he asked if I could take her job and I literally learned on the job and I did books and I did all sorts of things which has helped me through the rest of my life um, and I did not leave him until about the time I got married he and I had a a little bit of parting of the ways and I was on my own and looking for something else and then I decided to get married. I said yes. Said yes. <laughs> and as one of, I said yes. And as one of my girlfriends said to me, you were in love with the idea of being in love. Because I used to watch all, I mean, what did I know at eight, 18 going into the city and finding a job and finding which bus went down Fifth Avenue, which bus went went where um, I noticed people reading certain newspapers and 
I saw these professional women and I thought I had to be like them. And so I would read those newspapers and read those magazines, not what my mother used to get read book. I didn't read that. You know, I just tried to, I watched the clothes they wore and all of that has such an influence on me. Um, I learned how to do makeup going to a few of the department stores. I didn't know anything at all, Nikki, because I didn't have anyone there guiding me as to what what to do. So that was my young life. Got married. Uh, we moved to Kentucky. Um, I knew I had children. And I thought, money's a little short, Mm -hmm. so I better do something to make money. And I had grown up in a retail store, and there were sales reps. And I thought, well, I would know how to do that, and that didn't cost any money to go and find some companies and represent them, and you work on a commission. So I went ahead and did that and wound up building a very successful sales rep agency. Oh, wow. And I represented very fine lines. And in the days that I did that, um, one of my sons wrote a poem that I came to all of his games, even in the rain. And part of that was because I was self-employed and all I had to do was cancel an appointment and reschedule it. But I took very good care of my customers, had a lot of loyalty, worked in a small territory. I didn't go to Atlanta. I was in Kentucky. I didn't go to Atlanta or one of the big cities to start over again. And um, then I just called my ex-husband's bluff one day and he said the wrong thing which he admitted all of the things he had done. And I said, okay, (laughs) bye-bye. Right. And then I went out on my own again and started all over again. I had three children. And, you know, it was, I've got to make some, you know, I really need to have more money to pay for the more, you know, one salary, pay the mortgage, um, put food on the table do all these things and I pulled it off it was a struggle but I pulled it off so that was that was the whole thing and then in my 60s I was diagnosed at with breast cancer oh wow talk about a kick that through I wasn't prepared I had started to do some family genealogy but because my mother had been dead for so long and all these and I had no contact with any family members um, I had no idea if I had a family history or anything like that so I did find there was a family history but I didn't know it but still it shocked me and I had had a clear mammogram I found it myself, self-exam. I just in the shower one night by accident, I felt a lump. So I went ahead and had it checked. The doctor said, you know, your mammogram was clear, but let me, let me feel and, I, and don't tell me where it was. Don't say anything. And she found it and she said, okay, we've got to run a bunch of tests. Mm. So that was that. 
and 10 surgeries later, here I am. Oh, wow, 10. 10, oh. uh, yes. Uh, I know, it was not, and I had a reoccurrence halfway through, so I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor, a thriver, but I had started a new business in my very early 60s that was just taking off, and then here I get this diagnosis. What was the new business and in your 60s that you started? A, a wholesale jewelry. Oh, okay. I start just by mistake. I had the rep business, but after 9-11, home decor started to slip. I knew I had a transition or... Uh, pivot into other products and I started fooling with watches and fashion uh, bracelets because I like them and they were selling really well so I just expanded and expanded on that and I know one of the questions you were going to ask me was about what book made uh, right now I'm reading the uh, Christia Donaldson book this is only a test and she did hair care oh yes she recently passed away yes Yes. and she was diagnosed right after she got into Target and she was it you know it was a fast I so resonate with her story because I did that but I am a survivor and very unfortunately she was not but she talks about, too, about being diagnosed, you know, calling to her friends and, and then calling her father and and sleeping in her father's bed two nights in a row afterwards because it was so, it was such a kick. But she was much younger than me when she was diagnosed. Yeah, I think and she I was in her like 30s or late 30s, early 40s. Yes. Early 40s, I believe. Yes, and that's so hard when that happens. It's just so 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 hard um i think women my age survive longer than younger women and it's it's very unfortunate but that's the case so through 10 surgeries the first one was the killer because i came home with four drains and my friend Dan and I didn't know what to do with them. We weren't, but I when wasn't prepared. When you say prepared. drains, for, the, for listeners who are not sure what that it, is, it, can you just give it, it a little it's bit? It's called a Jackson Pratt drain. And the best way I can describe it is if you're watching old movies and you see women folding bandages, a war movie or something, and they're folding bandages because when there's wounds, the body gives off a lot of fluid. So they would absorb them with these bandages. Now they use something called a surg- a post-surgical drain. And the one that's used most commonly was designed by these two doctors, Jackson and Pratt. And it's called a JP drain. And it's a long tube that's inserted in your body and it has a bulb at the end. And my doctor did not tell me I was going to come home with those. Um, because I was not in the normal, quote, breast unit at the hospital because they were, they were overbooked. And so I was in this other ward with a contract nurse. No one told us what to do. He said, I don't know anything. We had a male nurse. He said, I know nothing about breast cancer, but I'll tell you how to empty a drain. I do know that. 
So we were lucky in that he showed us how to do that. You have to measure the fluid when you clean the drain. And when it stops collecting a lot of fluid, then they remove it. And they literally are taking this tube out of your body. And on a lot of the breast cancer um, Facebook pages, women will ask, does it hurt to remove the drains? And yeah, it's for a few seconds. You know, it's a, it does hurt. But it also hurts if you drop them while you have them or if they tug. And that was my case. I had one drain that was defective. We had lots of problems with it. And uh, I think that's what my problem with additional surgeries was that I got an infection which they did not diagnose correctly. They presumed it was staph and it was not. So that was, that was the cause of many surgeries was this infection. Okay, yeah, so, so that misdiagnosis is put you in, in a situation where you had to go through a lot more a lot um, more than what most mm-hmm. do. Yeah, because um, when you said I, 10, I was like, I, wow. No, that's not the norm. Yeah. Right, not the norm. Mm-hmm. But then I also had a reoccurrence. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so, and if you get an implant, um, then, you know, what have, uh, if you want to have um, a profile of having a breast, you get a breast implant, and that takes, they have to put an expander, they wait till the skin stretches, then they put the implant in, and so that causes another surgery as well, too. So that was the whole thing, and I had a lot of trouble trying to do that, and now wish, as one of the nuns had said to me, don't do anything, just go flat, <laughs> which is not what all the doctors tell you oh, to no. do. Oh, no, they're like, yeah, I should have listened. have more surgeries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, have more, have more. So um, that was that was it. So the second friend who came and stayed with me, the first, after the first surgery, I was coming I had come out of the shower, I had a towel around me, and I had I was holding on to these drains, and she had never seen them before. She had just flown cross-country from the West Coast, and she looked at me, she looked at those drains, she looked at me, looked at those drains, and she said, oh my, that is not working for me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know what to do. Clara Barton, you are not. And so... <laughs> I, I was tired. I took a nap. While I was sleeping, she took out my old sewing machine and she went rumbling through my house and found some stuff and she made this apron to put them in. And I woke up and she said, here, put this on. I don't want to look at those things. And she had put string on it or rope. And I said, oh, for God's sakes, at least put ribbon on it. Make it look pretty. Put a ribbon on it. <laughs> yes, make it look pretty. Make me feel yes. good. So that was the joke. So she did. She said, well, I didn't find your ribbon. So I told her where to find the ribbon. And that was the story of how we developed that product. Oh, wow. That is such, that's so amazing. So it was just like a chance thing. Like she 
I was like, this is not working. Like, you're sleeping. I'm just going to, you know what? I'll, I'll tweak this. I got this. Don't worry. And then what she does is she's like, ta-da. You're like, well, put a ribbon on it. <laughs> so that's good. No, thank you. I'm so glad you you decided to make this for me. I never said thank you. I just said, put a ribbon well, see, that's on the it. Testament, so- that's the testament of friendship because real friends, you don't even need to. You don't have to say thank you. It, it's understood, and no. I and that's the the greatest thing that you know about your stories that you really had that those that friendship even from you know the time you're 16 and they're just being there in your life. Were some of them some of the same friends um, that you had over the years, or uh, or were you just it's constantly transitioning with friendships? What I did. Um, no, it's not a constant transition. I've had friends for a very, very long time. The friend that made this was when I moved to Louisville after I um, left my ex-husband. I had met, She was one of the first people I had met here, and we're still friends. And that's almost, I don't know, 28 years later. So, yes, if I become, friends don't leave me very often, and I don't leave them. It has to be a real serious thing. Um, But what I did, because I was still in this competitive sales business, is I had what I called the short list. Because my age, you're not open and out front about everything that's going on in your life. And so I didn't want anyone in business to know that I was having a mastectomy, Mm -hmm. that I had breast cancer, you know, because with some people, you're not going to survive. I knew I was going to survive. I knew it wasn't going to get me. I wasn't going to let it get me. And so I had the short list of which I had about 10 girlfriends on that. And a few of them didn't know one another. They had phone numbers. They were supposed to keep in touch with one another and not call me. And one would, you know, the two that were at the hospital would call the other ones and tell them I was okay. And so on and so forth. So that was, I kept it very, very quiet. Yeah. So yes, I kept it within this small little group. And I think the short list came from some movie I saw years and years and years before. So, but that worked for me. And I have kept a copy of that. Um, When I do my whole thing on my medical history, that short list is part of it. So it was really funny, you know, with it. Because in those days, people didn't, that was 19, people did not text. Yeah the way they do t- 2009 yes. it was 2000 you did not text back and forth you had to call people or you wrote to people there was email but there was not any texting so you you literally had to call everyone so that was the list of phone numbers there was no social media to speak of yeah it was and it's good that that shows a testament to your friends and their um their loyalty to you to keep that, you know, quiet. It reminds me of um, uh, Chadwick Boseman, the uh, when he, um, the one who played the Black Panther when he died. No one knew that he had cancer. No. And and I mean, for you to be that level of a celebrity, and for your friends and everyone to not say a word, 
that 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 that's that's a testament to you have really good circles around you and they're like you know we're not going to do that to you really you're right about that um it just um that's amazing that he i know i was shocked about that when that came out because no one yeah, knew i do remember maybe months earlier or a year or something maybe not a year but i remember there was this one article in this tabloid that no one really read and there was a picture of him um he was um in a wheelchair but you couldn't tell it was him and a woman was pushing him into the and it was like it's Chadwick Bowles and everybody's like that's not him that's not and then and then it went away just like that it came and it went and I remembered that and I was like no I think that is something I don't think I saw that picture I don't think I saw that and I had no idea yeah that was like one it wasn't a big tabloid so it didn't really you know travel but I do remember seeing that and I was like, okay, I felt it, 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 it stuck with me because they had a picture of him looking a lot smaller. I was like, I don't think, yeah, I think there's something going on here, but you know, he hasn't said anything. So everybody just continued about their way. And he was even sick when he was doing these movies, you know? So, um, but, uh, you know, I know I did my, I had, um, a wholesale showroom mm-hmm. with monthly shows and I based my chemo appointments around the show dates. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> around show I didn't dates. let them tell. <laughs> you always get the sale. Always get the sale, Joan. <laughs> right. Get that sale. You know, I mean, I did. I based it around trade show dates. It was really, really funny. I went in there with my calendar and I said to him, because usually they're very precise. It's every four weeks, or and or for me it was it. Everybody, and that's something else I didn't know. Chemo is different for every. There are so many kinds of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. There are so many kinds of cancer. There are so many kinds of chemotherapy, and that was the thing I did not know all of that but I said to him can we go to five weeks or can we go to you know because you go through a period where your blood count is so low you really shouldn't be around other people Mm -hmm. because you can get sick um pretty sick because you are sick so I, I mean you're putting a poison in your body so it's a really awful awful thing all of those things but they work so why wouldn't you do them yeah so what was the hardest part about getting started um, in terms of uh, getting your, your product up and, uh, and getting it into the, the viewing of um, other people? What was that process like for you? Production. I could never get production going. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I tried and tried. I tried contract sewers. Uh, the first gal I had was absolutely great, but she moved. She did a lot of costumes for the um, local ballet school. And she got married and moved away, and that was that. And I tried contract sewers, and they all wanted to add their little bit to it. And then I had a reoccurrence with breast cancer. Then I had an infection. You know, it it just, uh, all these things got in the way. And I could not get, but the biggest thing was production. And I went to some of the local um, 
not the SBA, but SCORE, which is retired executives. And I remember a couple of those guys saying to me, oh, well, you have to send this offshore, offshore and have it produced. And I thought, I've sold imports most of my life. I do not want to do that. I want to make something here. I want it to be USA made. And so that was a big deciding factor for me as well, too. Then through this whole journey, um, one of my girlfriends was a relatively new friend through... um, a group I we both belong to a genealogy society. Yay for the genealogy <clears throat> society! Know. I love the study of that stuff. All the ancestors oh, yeah, going down that lane. I can go down that rabbit oh, hole for days. <laughs> I will do that together one Definitely. day. I am pretty. I am pretty darn good at that. I enjoy that quite a bit, and uh, so. I was on her porch one night. She says she doesn't remember this exactly um, as I say it, but I have got a memory for conversations beyond belief. And we were sitting out on her porch one uh, summer evening. Her husband wasn't there and talking about when she was going to retire as a librarian. And she's a very accomplished quilter. Um, So she's an excellent seamstress. And I said to her, Just out of the clear, I don't know whatever came over me, Nikki. I looked at her and I said, do you want to be my business partner when you retire? Oh, wow. (laughs) Just like that. No preparation, nothing. It just came to you. And it just came to me. And she turned around and looked at me and said, I think that could work. I think I would like that. Wow. Because she had heard me talking about this for a couple of years and wanting to do it. And what do you think about how the way this was made? And do you think this? And she said, that's not very good sewing. I said, I know. I can't. I don't want to sell this. So that was how that all came about. How did you feel when she said yes? (laughs) I actually kind of thought she would. I wasn't. Isn't that terrible? To have that kind of faith that when you say something, it's going to happen. I just knew. I feel like. I just, Mm -hmm. I believed it. I believed, I I just believed that she wanted to do something. She had been a librarian and she didn't want to go back to doing that exactly. Although she is for a few days a week right now helping um, with, at the local board of education in documenting um, and taking in some books uh, because she has a master's. But anyway, um, she I don't think she wanted the commitment of a full-time job. And then I said to her, which was the shocker, do you need to make any money? Because I don't think we'll make any money for a while. Can you wait until we make some money? And she said, yes. I love that. But she knew, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm completely out front. She knew that what you see is what you get. I'm going to tell it as it is. And she is more reserved than me, much more focused than me. She can round me up and say, stay on track, which is wonderful. And I'm not offended because I know she's going to do it. I expect her to. But 
I, the biggest adjustment when we finally did start, she wanted some time off when she retired. <clears throat> and when we did start, all of a sudden, after being in business by myself for so many years, I had to turn around and say, do you mind if I spend $10 on this? Um. Do you mind if I spend $50? And I'll tell you, Nikki, it, I never thought I'd make that kind of transition. And I did. I absolutely did. It was amazing. I don't think I ever did that so much with my ex-husband. <laughs> As I do with my business you know, partner. Maybe that's just funny, like we just it? have better communication. <laughs> I, yeah. It just works. <laughs> I think you're hundred percent right about that. Guys, so this is amazing. So now you've got this up and running, you got a business partner, you had somebody who could basically wrote did the prototype on a on a whim. Oh and yes, and but here, Annie Laurie came up with our shower guard. She didn't like the one that we I had originally is kind of complicated. And it's hard to show that it has inner pockets and it does all these wonderful things. So she said, well, what do you do in the shower? Or we talked about the shower or looked at things online. And she came up with a shower version, which is our bestseller. Nice. So, nice yes. Nice, nice. It's, it's amazing that that happened and then came the pandemic yes doesn't that always come man it man i feel like every podcast there is that and then the pandemic happened a <laughs> moment and then the pandemic happened and all of a sudden i had to learn of a way to get this stuff to the market that wasn't in-person sales i come from in-person background how are you going to sell something when you're not with people? Right. When you're not making sales calls. All of things which I wasn't willing to do at that point. Fear, whatever. Um, and so learning the online world. That's where life got in the way. Yes. Learning the online it world. It is hard for me at almost 40 and I can only imagine what it was like for you coming from being you know on the on the ground running face to face to now you got to do everything virtual oh my goodness it was really amazing so I, I had again help from friends help from and I had joined one organization of women um, and they had a lot of classes at Female Entrepreneur Association. And I followed a lot of what they said. I would read, they had a Facebook group. I would read about all, what all these other women were doing. And through that, I was connected with a gal who who is offshore, who did our Etsy store for us and did our website, of which I couldn't have done either one as well. So we were very lucky about that, too. <clears throat> so we have one wholesale customer, and most of our sales are now coming from Etsy. Okay, so that online is, is working, huh? It just opens up a, the most, a whole nother window, another you know door that you probably just didn't even think about. No, and I'll tell you the funny thing that amazes me. 
not every day, but on a regular basis. And this is an age that, well, it's because I'm coming from the in-person in-person sales where I want to thank some, oh, thank you so much for this order. Thank you for this. So every sale that we have, I write a personal note. Oh, wow. And do you know how many people comment on that? Yes. That's a, I mean, that's so I amazing. I, I love personal notes. I think that gives it that extra touch. And it's like, how thoughtful, like that would make me want to Go out and buy more or tell my friends, you know. I and I well tell your friends because it's a one time use. Yeah. So it's a limited sale item because you're using it for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So that um, we don't have repeat we've had one repeat customer who's bought them as gifts. And she was pleased that I remembered that she had purchased from us before. I just remembered her name. That's amazing. Because I come from that sales background, if you right? remember. Right, and so <laughs> sometimes those, sometimes those, uh, those uh, things that we carry with us, um, you know, you had to go through certain experiences and certain things to kind of get you to this fast forward, you know, this place where you are now. Um, what do you wish you would have known when you first started um, this endeavor that you kind of wish you would have known before you started? I wish I would have known how difficult it would be for me to be, or as your generation would say, put it all out there. Mm -hmm. I come from a world of privacy. My generation is a world of privacy. To expose myself on social media, expose is the wrong word, but to put myself out there on social media was the hardest thing, harder than many other things that I've gone through in my life. That was such a challenge to have everything about me and my story. I mean, I never sat there and said to my, some of my friends didn't even realize I'd been on my own since I was 16, unless they knew me back mm -hmm. then. And one night I was uh, on a Zoom with some girlfriends from high school and I said, you know, I was telling someone about how you were all at my mother's wake. And Paula said, that was the saddest day of my life. And I was flabbergasted. I said, it never occurred to me that it affected you. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just, I thought it was just me, that you were there for me. I didn't realize that it had an effect on you for the rest of your life. Yeah, that that's, you just never know. And, and it's such, it's such a, a great thing when you have friends that are, that come in that time of need when you're just, they just show up. And, and, and sometimes it, it'll be the person that shows up that you didn't even expect but it just means the world yeah. to you when they do. But uh, I can right. I can definitely imagine how that had to have, you know been impactful because that that's a lot and and you know you're you you're going through the motions, but someone else is watching you go through those motions and and, right. and they feel right. all that you, you that you're feeling and and more and it just it does it has a lasting effect on you. You don't want to see your friends go through that kind of pain and that hurt so. But I, 
wish also I had known in the beginning that I needed a production partner. But had I known that then, the time of not getting it going and reaching out to another, a friend to be with me in this journey, that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so it all fell into place. Yes. Life got in the way, but it got in the way in the right way. <laughs> right. Yes, it did. It did. So, you know, that was the whole thing. Yeah. So there, there are just so many life lessons in, in all of this and all of the things that you've been through, all of the experiences that you've had, all of the people that you've encountered. What do you think has been the, the catalyst for all these lessons for you? Well, I think it has certainly made me a stronger woman. Mm-hmm. It has been a good example to my children. You know, that she she's going to come through on all of this stuff. Um, I think it has been... Um, it has given me a lot of strength to just keep going forward. I don't know that there would be one single thing that I could point to um, other than, you know, going back to my friends. Um, that was the main thing that kept me going. Yes, friendships are, are powerful, and I think... We don't realize just how powerful friendship can be. I'm always thankful for all of my friends, ones I've had, you know, I've had friends that I've known since I was four and then friends from high school that, you know, I just love dearly and junior high and college and grad school. I mean, when you just have friends and when you call them friend, they're for me, I'm the type of person, a friend. When I call you friend, it's 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 a forever thing, you know, for me, at least, uh, you're going to exactly. always be my friend exactly. and no matter what, you're going to always be someone that I stick it out with and, and ride through with and, and always be there for. And that's a great thing when you have that circle around you. And it's a blessing as well. Yes, because there's acquaintances and there's yes. friends. And there's co-workers. And then when your co-workers become your friends, like, you know, it's it's a that it does. That it happens. does. Because, you know. You spend so much time with people. I always think about that when people are like, they work on the set, like on, you know, different shows and they talk about how they became a family. I'm like, yeah, you probably spent more time with these people than you probably have with your family because you just, you know, <laughs> they become your family. And sometimes friends, they, they surpass just friendship. They become family to you. So that's, that's always a, a wonderful thing. So now you're, you're 75 You've made this amazing product. You you're doing podcasts. You're you're on Etsy. I mean, you're doing all these things that you probably did. You even mad? Could you have imagined this was going to be you at seventy five, getting out there and telling your story the way you are? No, 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 no. And again, with the help of my friends, I mean the headphones. I love those headphones. I told you I got those at work too. 
My friend Maggie, who is a bourbon writer, told me which headphones to get, told me which lighting to get, told me which, I mean, she is, at at one point she told me I was in internet kindergarten, (laughs) so, (laughs) because I did not understand the difference between embedded links and non-embedded links, and all this... I do want to applaud you for the embedded links that you sent me. I was like, okay, I see you, Joe. <laughs> uh, that was help. There was help with that. There was help. Trust me, there was help with that. So that was the, uh, and uh, that was a chance meeting uh, with one uh, at a Berman event. And we started having coffee once a week, and we were very huge age difference, but very close friends. Okay, well, that's that'll that sometimes you know friendships will form. It, age is just a just a number in between, but you just never know when you're kindred and you're connected to people. It that just kind of disappears. So now you have done um, this work and you you've created like this amazing product. Um, how has the work that you do now changed your thinking about your ability to impact others? Well, I'm hoping that I am making those going through surgery be more comfortable and feel more secure in how they're dealing with these surgical drains and that you can survive those few weeks with more comfort. I think that is my main thing is that I am helping other people deal with surgical drains in a stylish and comfortable way so that they are feeling good about themselves. Self-care is so important today. I agree. And I love the title, Necessary Comforts. Because they are necessary Mm -hmm. and it is a comfort. Yes, thank you very much. I think I think it is a lovely name. Yes, it, and it, it makes you it makes you feel like comfortable and 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 that there will start put into it. So I really I love that title and I love that um that it's called that. Uh, and I hope we can come up with additional products mm-hmm. that are going to be necessary and are going to be comfortable. Yes, I I'm, I'm 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 sure that that, that is a um Comfort is something that is always needed and whenever you can just find little things that can just can help someone give that that comfort, even if it's for a a tiny moment in there in their um, when they're dealing with what they're dealing with. I think that that that's that helps a lot and it it goes it goes far with um, with giving people just the necessary, like you said, the necessary comforts because what what are we if we're not comfortable in some capacity, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. So we are at the point in our podcast where I do what we call the random rounds. And I know you are ready because you said you had an answer for almost every question that I just might ask. <laughs> I hope you. so. I feel like I got to ask something that's not on the list. <laughs> Just to throw you off. Well, it's whether or not I'm going to remember them, too. That's going to be the whole thing. Okay, so how about this? What are some things you had to unlearn? Oh, 
what I said before about being private. Mm -hmm. I had to unlearn not to tell people, to say to people, I'm a breast cancer survivor. The first women's retreat I went to to work on my business, I never told a soul I was a breast cancer survivor. Mm. And there I am launching this product. And they're like, why is she doing this? Oh, wow. So I did. I had to unlearn so much that way in saying who I am and why I'm why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's important. That's important, especially when you to be, you know lose that vulnerability and ex, you know expose yourself is very difficult when you've never done it. Definitely. <clears throat> um, I, I, I that's one of the I I I, I watched this show called um, what's it called The Prophet, but it's The Prophet like P R O F I T. Like, and he always um, talks about there's a story like people want your products, but people want your story. Like, that's what gets people to buy your product is the story that's behind it. And I had always sold a name. I had never sold a story. Mm. I sold brands. So building a brand is a completely different thing. And yes, I see it's a story. And that was so hard to get to. Okay, so since we're talking about unlearned lessons, what's the worst advice you've actually listened to? The worst advice. Um, Oh, boy, that I've listened to. Oh, that's a really hard one. Um, I think not seeking help. You can do this yourself. Mm. Not not looking for help. Not asking for help. Not go. Not seeking help would be the. And sometimes I did listen to people saying you can do this yourself. Well, you know what? There was a lot I couldn't do myself. I couldn't do production myself. I'm not an accomplished sewer. I couldn't do all the inter. I couldn't do a website myself. I tried. I failed. We paid for that for about six months, thinking that I could do it myself. I couldn't. So that is it, asking for help. Yes, and that is something that everyone, no matter what your age is, people just do not want to ask for help sometimes. Be like, I got it, I got it. I am I'm can be guilty of that. I've I'm got sorry. it. This That's is why, right. This I've is why got the it. producer's like, let me... <laughs> do what I do because if you could do it all you wouldn't need me and I was like that's true because I sat there I remember one time I went and I tried to do edit something myself messed the whole thing up I was like, and he was like what did you do and I think I even posted it he was like, I think I got it off before anybody really heard it but I was like oh my goodness so yes I learned to leave things alone. <laughs> last one what is something that makes you smile? Ah, I think to see people smiling, I think accomplishments, feeling fulfilled, seeing my friends, being with my friends, <clears throat> talking to my friends, 
the thing that makes me smile is being with people and a sense of accomplishment. I love that. I love that. That was great, Joan. Thank you so much. I just want to thank you for joining us today. You have been an amazing guest and I know listeners will um, learn so much from you and I, um, for them to learn more about not only you, but maybe about your product and where they can, um, if they want to purchase it, can you give us a little bit of information of where they can go to find it? Yes, we have a website, unnecessarycomforts.com. And I am going to put a Nikki, N-I-K-K-I-C discount code on that of 10%. So anybody purchasing um, and putting in the code with your name, N-I-K-K-I-C, they will have a 10% discount on our website. And then I, I don't know if I can do it on Etsy, but I can try. We also have um, an Etsy shop, which is also called Necessary Comforts. And you have to specifically type in Necessary Space Comforts because Etsy brings up a whole bunch of other products and you have to request that shop. And we are almost on Amazon. Almost. <clears throat> we did, we're on a uh, Amazon handmade. We passed all that has to be done with that. Now we're just working on the branding of our name. They have a question on our intellectual property. So that's that's all. And then we'll build the shop on Amazon or list our first product. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, you heard it from our guest herself. Um, you can, I will make sure I put all of those links in the description. And I just, once again, thank you again, Joan. And thank you all of the listeners from all over the world and all across the U.S. that tune in every Thursday. I want you to continue to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. for a new episode. And remember to hit the subscribe button so that you won't miss any episodes. And until we meet again, I'm your host, Nikki C. And remember, it's time to get back to dreaming again. If not now, then when?